Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, I'm so excited to have Kimberly Majeski. <laughs> Hi, Jim. <laughs> and Kimberly, I'm always glad to see you in our studio here, but especially today as we're talking about one of the great issues of our time. Yes. Human trafficking, and especially that part of the human traffic that sells human flesh for sexual ends, mm -hmm. sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. uh, to be blunt, we hear a lot about it in the news. It's kind of a vogue case, no matter where you are in the world today. And sometimes because it's so familiar to us in the last few years, right. it's almost become numbing. People tune it out, but we do not want you to tune this out because there are things going on right where you live right now that would take your breath away. And there are things you can do right where you live right now that could make the world a better place. You could actually be a part of something that sets someone free. Okay, so I'm just a regular guy. And uh, I've grown up in a world where there are all kinds of sexual touch points, uh, no pun intended, but I mean, in, in my world, I, I see invitations to sexuality yeah. in the media. Yeah. I see it in print. I see it in broadcast. I see it online. I hear it in conversation. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. I have been framed, just telling my own story, I've been framed in a world of New Testament values where I always grew up believing that sexuality was exclusively the province of a married relationship. And so I've tried to conform my life to that. But that's not to say I'm not tempted sometimes when I see all these other opportunities. I mean, that is just the world in which we live. And so I'm just acknowledging I live in a world that is sexually charged. Right. And sometimes as I pass by my world and all of those doorways that invite me into some kind of sexual pursuit that's outside of my New Testament value, I think, well, that's not me because I've embraced a different value system. But honestly, What's the difference for that other guy who doesn't believe like I do if he wants to go into that strip club, for instance? Right. What's the problem with that? And that's what we're talking about today. We hear about sex trafficking, and I think there isn't anyone who hears the words that doesn't think, oh, that's ugly. We imagine a child is being sold in a back alley in Manila or in Bangkok. We understand that there are a lot of people who are sucked into a traffic lifestyle who don't want to be there. But, oh, come on, that's far away, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That doesn't really connect to the strip club or right. just that party down the street from me, does it, mm -hmm. Kimberly? It does. Our ministry, Stripped Love, part of what we feel passionate about is advocating for these women and sort of telling their stories. I think that we have a concept of women in sex trade that a narrative that says they are uh, over-sexualized um, seductresses who prey on innocent men and draw them into their wiles. And really nothing could be further from the truth. Bad girls who sometimes might draw innocent guys or even bad guys, but so what? Right. There's also, you know, uh, the idea that, you know, they're making a lot of money. This is why I feel bad for these. Or even T-shirts that I've seen uh, men wear that say, uh, stripper pole on it, that says, I'm, I'm uh, helping promote women's education. Because there are women, you know, dancing because they're trying to get an education. They're college students, let's say, or they're trying to get a job at the college, That's right. community college, or maybe they're going to beauty school or something. And I can tell you, from the hundreds of women that I have met in sex trade, nobody was a little girl who dreamed of growing up to do this. Uh, some of them are hardened by their experience, and they'll tell you they chose it. Um, they're doing this because they want to, and I always put quotations around those two words because it doesn't take you very long to talk with them and to hear their stories and circumstances to find out that they didn't grow up like I did. 
they weren't safe in their beds and their mothers didn't make them Barbie doll birthday cakes and go on backpacking trips with them with the brownies, right? It was a different experience and a different story that informed their lives. And so the choices led them down a certain path. And they find themselves in a world that they would not have chosen growing up, but from which they have no options to escape. Right. So here's the thing. Uh, Most of us know that sex trafficking is happening, and we perceive that it's a problem across the world. Up to 27 million people, as an average, are thought to be enslaved right now. We're horrified by that, and we... We want to, you know, maybe send money or get involved this way or read something, um, put the red X on our hand. But we have no idea that it's happening in the towns and cities where we live. I certainly didn't when I started visiting the strip club in my town. The strip club, that was less than a mile from the front door of our church. And one that you had driven by many times and never even noticed. Never even seen it. I think that I was a person who is much like a lot of other people I was a church girl. I grew up in the church. I went to school in a church school. I teach in a church school. I hang out with Christian people. I do things with a Christian community. And I had gotten sort of caught up into this bubble that anesthetized me to the rest of the world. And again, I want to underscore, because I live in the same town you do. (laughs) I drive down the same streets you do. You're telling me That right here in River City, right here in this little middle American burg, there is sex trafficking going on, and it's happening in what is described as a strip club. Now, I think it's fair for us to say that doesn't mean that everyone who goes in there knows that. Oh, that's right. And even the proprietors may not understand the role they're playing. Is that fair? Absolutely. But the truth is there are people who are walking into that door to work who will never escape again, even if they don't work there, they'll find themselves destined to a life of servitude. That's right. So, yeah, what I'm telling you is Madison and Delaware counties in central Indiana are red zones under the Human Resources for Sex Trafficking purview. So we are a troubled place. (laughs) It is happening, and it is happening at a very high number in this city. Central Indiana, Mm -hmm. Hoosier land. All-American corn cob corn country. Corn and uh, fried funnel cakes and all. <laughs> this is right here, yeah. Right here. And so, of course, I didn't know this when we went into the club, and um, I don't make any bones about it. I wasn't fighting that battle when I went into the club. I just, as you know, went in to take some cookies and to love people. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, I just went into the club to share some cookies and love people. I think we have to dig into that a little deeper. <laughs> Kimberly, when we come back... Let's see what brought you to that front door. Kimberly Majeski, you teach theology at a graduate school. You are a person who has been framed by a church world, been loved by many people in pure and wonderful ways, Mm -hmm. found yourself discovering that in the town where you lived, there were a lot of people who were not loving Mm -hmm. and a lot of people who found themselves trapped, Mm -hmm. enslaved, really. And you started visiting a strip club. And when we took our break, you said, (laughs) I was just walking in to bring some cookies and to love them. Well, I know there's more to it than that. And I know it's born out of a scripture. That's right. There's a passage that that compels you. What is that? It was born out of 1 John 4. And uh, I'll begin reading here in verse 7, if that's all right. Sure. Let us hear what it says. Dear friends... Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. 
But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And God showed how much he loved us by sending us his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And verse 13, And God has given us his Spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Verse 14 says, Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Well, how many times is the word love used in that passage? I can't even tally it up. But it's clearly the theme, the thread that strings all of those ideas together. Mm -hmm. And that passage pulled you out of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. to walk into a place Mm -hmm. where you could only feel uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but for the simple purpose of trying to love them. And what did you find when you got into the strip club? I found out that they needed love. They, the women uh, who worked there. So I put my hand on the door and I remember thinking, God, what if they don't like us? What if they're unkind to us? What if they reject us? And us as a group of women from your church. Well, that night it was my girlfriend, Natalie and I. Okay, the two of you. (laughs) And some cookies. And I remember God said to me, "Uh, that's exactly how they feel sitting outside your church. Whoa. So this is my theology. I mean, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I, I really felt informed by a call that said, take my love into this place. I love these women, and I need you to go tell them that. I remember you telling me once that as you became acquainted with some of the gals who danced there, you know, finally somebody said, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, come on. Well, we love the cookies because you're bringing them treats. After we so. talked about the cookies for on and on and on. For, yeah. Uh, what in the world are you doing here? And you replied. We said, we just want to love you. No strings attached. And they said, that would really be nice. We don't get a lot of people in here who want to love us. No strings attached. I mean, it's so obvious yeah. and so stunning. Yeah, Jim, it really is. It never ceases to amaze me how easy it is to love people and how much real, authentic, no-agenda love opens people up. And that's the work we do. And so we showed up for many, many uh, weeks and many, many months, and now it's been six years. But 
we started out and, and because we, we just felt strongly that we should visit these women in the place of their trouble and sit with them in the ash heap of life and share our lives with them, uh, we became friends, and that's how we began to learn more and more about their situations. And I know that uh, there are some stories to tell there about are. how some of these women have found light and life as a consequence of your love walking in the door. Before we get there in our next segment, though, just help everyone understand what it's really like. So I think these gals are in there, they're dancing and stuffing money in every piece of clothing they can have or take off. Yeah. But they're not really making dough. What's happening there? How does it really work? So first, there's not a lot of clothing uh, to stuff money in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So the perception is that, uh, that these women make a lot of money. Okay. In our town, that's not true. Uh, strip clubs uh, are on a three-tier level, A, B, and C. In this town, we only have C-level clubs. They're contract workers. So they literally have to pay the house before they can leave with any cash at night. They're paying for the privilege, if you want to call it that. Almost like... Of undressing in front of strange men. Exactly. Almost like you're renting a booth to do hair, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, so they pay for the privilege to have the stage and to use the back rooms. And on the front, I will tell you that clubs say strip club. They're not strip clubs. They're sex clubs. They're all fronts for what's really going on. You'll see signs all over the place that say no touching or no drugs, no this, no that. I can tell you I've been in strip clubs across the United States. It happens in all of them. Management puts that up so that they're not in violation of Because there are laws rights. prohibiting exactly. the kind of conduct that actually takes place. But because, uh, particularly in our town and many towns across the United States, these women live in poverty um, and most of them have children, uh, it's about an economic situation where they got to make rent. And so I've got to pay the house out $50 tonight, and I only made 100 and rent is due. So because of that, I've got to do something extra to make up the difference. And so I go home with him or... Right. So, um, so some guy, I'm just running ahead, some guy pays for the dance and says, I've got another 100 bucks if you'll come exactly, outside with me. Right. Exactly. And that's where it goes down. But more than that, um, there are um, pimps that uh, work these clubs. And in our context, the word pimp is synonymous often with the word boyfriend or husband. Uh, these women have been coerced or led into this work against their will or for the purpose of keeping up this significant other who's at home reaping the benefit for what she's doing. Profiting, Profiting. by the sale of her body. Yeah. And a lot of times it's a situation where she's under threat and uh, he says, if you don't do this, I'll kill your family. Um, sometimes it's a, a play on her emotions. You know, um, I need you to do this because I'm not able to work and you do this for us and then later I'll do this for you. And uh, so there are a lot of different ways that that goes down. But most often we find that there is some man somewhere profiting off the work she's doing tonight in this place. There's a puppeteer. Yeah. And there's a guy who's paying for it, who's contributing to it, and we need to remember that. This is possible because there are people who feed the industry. That's right. There's always supply and demand. Come and rest here. You find 
Kimberly Majeski. Your day job is teaching seminary students at a graduate <laughs> school of theology. Mm-hmm. By night, you're haunting strip clubs. Yeah. And uh, it's a great mix. And it keeps, is. keeps you in touch with the real world, I have no doubt. And as you have dived into, you and a team of people in a ministry called Stripped Love, mm-hmm. engaging and becoming acquainted with some of the gals who find themselves working in these clubs, mm-hmm. you found some desperate stories, but also some very inspiring ones. Mm-hmm. Tell us about someone just recently yeah. who stood forward to tell her tale. So I had the privilege of uh, last weekend sitting in a church service to hear the testimony of um, a friend who has recently come out of the trade. We um, became aware of her because a pastor in our town found her literally on the side of the road. Part of what we do is educate the church to say, you know, have eyes and ears for what's happening uh, around you. And so a local pastor here was on his way uh, to a retreat and uh, had been praying that God would give him eyes to see. And he stopped into a fast food restaurant and found this young woman. Now, in our town, you'll often see women sort of hanging out behind fast food restaurants with bags and heavy clothes, and those are prostitutes. Those are women who are, there are drug deals going down, and they're buying and selling their bodies, you know, for that, for that to happen. You know, I drive around, and I talk to them, and I might buy them something to drink, or I might give them a gift that we have that night, or, you know, see how I can help them. Um, but this was a this was a man, uh, a pastor, who um, just had prayed that God would give him eyes, and he encountered this young woman. And uh, they talked. Uh, she only had the clothes that were on her back. She had been in a relationship. She had gone home with some men to make extra money after her shift at the club, and uh, she didn't perform as they had hoped, and um, she had been beaten up and escaped out of uh, the room with the clothes on her back and had rushed over to uh, this little fast food restaurant to kind of get her head together and figure out what she was going to do. And it all happened just then? Just then. And so this pastor wheels in, who's just prayed the prayer, God give me eyes. Uh, He encountered her and just said, God just prompted him to go over and talk to her, introduce himself. And, um, And this is really, really miraculous because men are not safe people for these women, and particularly when you've just come out of a situation like this. And so uh, they got to talking, and she said she was stranded, and she had no money, and she had no help, and uh, that she'd uh, just been in an altercation. And he said, well, let us help you. She was skeptical um, because it was a, a, a gentleman, but there were women also in his company. And uh, so she decided to get in the car and go with them, and uh, she was just going to go back to the club and see what she could find out, you know, when, when, when that opened. But the club wasn't open, and they said, well, listen, we're, we're on our way to a worship service. Would you like to go with us? And I guess because she had nowhere else to go, she did. Long as story as, short. As good as any option. As good as any option, right? I'm safe. I'm, I'm, uh, they're feeding me lunch, and uh, they seem like nice people. Uh, they're not going to hurt me. So she attended the worship service with them, Jim, and um, in that moment felt loved and supported, went into the worship service and, of course, had, you know, scantily clad clothing. And I guess a woman in the worship service was prompted by the Spirit to bring her some clothes. So she took her out of the service, clothed her, dressed her. They had fed her earlier. 
And she went back in and um, through the course of the day, spending time with this pastor and um, his staff came to know Jesus. She made a decision. She made a decision. This Jesus thing is for me. She made a decision um, to follow Jesus and to quit the life right there on the spot and um, to try to um, put everything back together. She had lost custody of her children and didn't have anywhere else to work. And uh, really, I mean, at the end of that day, had no idea she how had to no put stuff together. no prospects except Jesus. I've met him. I met Jesus. And here's the thing, Jim. These women have economic barriers. These women have family issues. There are spiritual, emotional issues. And so uh, the pastor called me and said, how, you know, how can we help her? What, what can we do? What's out there? Um, so anyway, this is a long story with many twists and turns, uh, many supernatural sort of engagements. But um, this friend of mine uh, stood in a pulpit uh, last Sunday after having been sober for 21 days, having her children restored to her custody. Uh, the church paying her bills so she could return to her apartment and helping her um, establish a working relationship back with the job she used to have before she started dancing. And so now she's working there at the gas station. And uh, she wrote a letter to uh, the town newspaper to talk about why the church had to get outside the walls and what had happened in her life. And how it reached her. Yeah. Praise the Lord. What a terrific, inspiring tale. Just one. Just one. Who knows how many stories that are unfolding right around us right now. But folks, wherever you are in the world today, you live in a town that has a story just like that gal. Somewhere, there's probably adult entertainment businesses within driving distance of where you are this minute. And you have to understand they are dark corners where people find themselves trapped, enslaved, really, with no options and no way out. And as God is our witness... He knows everyone by name, and he knows you too, and he can build bridges. If you want to help, if you want to be an instrument, well, here's what you can do. First up, you have to make a decision yourself to be pure. You can't hang around strip clubs if you're gawking for untoward purposes. (laughs) Uh, That's why strip love is about women going into the clubs, Right. right? But you can support strip love or other ministries of this kind, and you can touch base with us, and we'll help you develop that network. You can also send us a gift because we're in the midst of a campaign. We're raising money across the country for what's called Chog Traffic Light to fight sex trafficking in the United States and Canada and abroad to provide ways forward for women who have been enslaved for children to protect children before they're even picked up in the trade. You can be a part of that. And we want you to know that 100%, every dime you send us, will go straight into the chalk traffic light around the world and to places just as Kimberly's described. Here's how you can do it. Give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. Learn more about the traffic light. Learn more about the cause. Learn about how you can walk with Jesus yourself and be an instrument in his hand for the good. Kimberly, if someone wanted to check us out online, where would they go? Visit us at cbhviewpoint.org and send us a message, and we'll get right back to you. That's CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's what we do, cbhviewpoint.org. That can build a bridge to the traffic light for you also. Or at the last, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. And with that note, just include a check. Make it payable to the Chog traffic light. We'll make sure it gets in the field to set people free. Take one more step with us. 
pray with us. God is listening. He's watching. He's knowing. He's calling. Pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today for the gift of life you have breathed into every one of us. Maybe someone listening today has found themselves ensnared in this net of the sex trade, and they don't know how to get out, but they want to. Oh, reassure them, Lord, that they can and cause them to reach out to us. Maybe there's someone listening today who's been involved in the sex trade on the other side, a purveyor, a purchaser, a promoter, and they want to get out of it. Oh, Lord, encourage them today and help them to reach out to us. Maybe there's someone listening to us today who's not been involved but wants to do good and would like to play a part in setting people free, inspire them, and provide for them. Lord, I pray that all of us might humble ourselves before you and acknowledge that we're all broken and flawed and vulnerable, but we also, Lord, trust you to keep us safe and to keep us right and to make us holy and to help us bring life to others. Thank you for hearing our prayer, and it is prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Kimberly, thanks so much for the work you do. Thanks for being with us today, and we thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again next week. For all of us at the Church of God Ministry Team, which is the host of our broadcast, for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry Team, for everyone engaged in the Chog Traffic Light that is working on so many fronts to set people free, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.